institutions to God's instructions. Does a believer really need to know anything about repentance? Is it that serious? I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. Today's episode is about repentance. What it is, why it's important, and yes, it really is that serious. Let's talk about it. You can email us at redpiltora at gmail.com. Follow us on redpiltora.podbean.com. Find us at our new website, www.redpiltora.com, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, Google Podcasts, Deezer, TuneIn, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And a special shout out to our friends in Alabama and the continent of Africa. Amen. So the Hebrew word teshuvah is often translated as repentance. Growing up in the church, I learned that repentance simply means to change one's mind. But now, I know that repentance goes much deeper than that. The Hebrew definition of teshuvah is return. The word teshuv first appears in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. There, Elohim is pronouncing his righteous judgment upon Adam directly and as a result upon all of mankind. In verse 19, Elohim said to Adam, You will eat bread by the sweat of your forehead till you return to the ground, for you were taken out of it. You are dust, and you will return to dust. The word shuv is the root of the word teshuvah. We see that word used in Genesis 8, verse 12, which talks about what Noah did after the flood when a dove he sent out brought back an olive branch. Verse 12 says, He waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, and she didn't return to him anymore. It is vital to know the meaning of Bible words in Hebrew and to know the meaning in a Hebraic context. Changing one's mind as a definition for repentance is okay, but it misses the mark. Speaking of missing the mark, let's go back to the story in Genesis 3. There is some relevant insight there that we want to be sure to mention. The incident in the garden is what set the stage for our need for repentance. Sin was introduced into Elohim's creation in the garden with the interactions between Adam, Eve, and the serpent. As we know, Elohim came to the garden and asked Adam where he was. After questioning Adam and Eve, Elohim pronounced judgment upon all parties involved, starting with the serpent. In Genesis 3.15, Elohim says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Her seed will bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. Now, what is this enmity that the Bible talks about? The Hebrew word for enmity is eba, and it can be translated as hatred or hostility. Eve evidently did not see the danger in listening to Hasatan, or Satan, and disobeying Jehovah's instructions. Jehovah would make it clear that there would be enmity between the serpent, Hasatan, and the woman, and between her seed, which we now know to be Yeshua, our Messiah, and Hasatan's seed, the anti-Messiah. A personal story from my teenage years might clarify this point. I was walking on my way to the store when a stranger in a car tried to tempt me to get in. 
Instead of arguing with him or getting in his car, I turned in the opposite direction to avoid him and ran to a place where I felt safe. Now that reaction makes sense, right? I didn't know the person's intent, yet the teaching from my mom reminded me that it was never a good idea to get into a stranger's car. Instead of satisfying my curiosity or my need to show independence as a teenager, I heeded my mother's instructions and got away from that situation quickly. Sadly, there are young people who would have taken the ride or argued with the person with unknown but potentially tragic or deadly consequences. I see your point, Mama. What seemed like a harmless or even friendly suggestion in your example may have actually been an act of contempt. In the same way, Eve did not recognize Hasatan's intent in the garden as contempt for all mankind. It led to great harm for Eve and all of us. To this day, Hasatan's intent is to keep us enslaved to sin. No matter how enticing it may be, his sinful influence was and still is an act of violence against us. Whether we realize it or not, we were born into a conflict against an enemy who intends to kill us all. As aggressive as his attacks against us are, we must be more aggressive when it comes to teshuvah or repentance. We see another act of aggression played out in Genesis chapter 4 when Elohim was pleased with Abel's offering, but he was displeased with his brother Cain's offering. Even though he was not mentioned, the violent influence of Hasatan is evident in Cain's murderous attitude. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, Elohim told Cain, If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door. Now notice at this point, Cain is, he still has a chance to make things right with Elohim. Elohim continues, Sin desires to own you, but you must rule over it. He's telling Cain that he has the power to choose to do what is right. Ultimately, Cain committed the first murder, succumbing to another contemptuous assault from the evil one. In our podcast, episode 52, we talk about Hebrew words translated as sin in the Bible. Genesis 4 verse 7 is the first time we see the word chata'at used in scripture. Check out episode 52 for a review of that word. In short, it means to miss something you were aiming for. Elohim used the same word for sin here that he uses after he gave his instructions on Mount Sinai. Between Genesis 4 and the rest of the scriptures, there is no new definition of sin given. Sin is still missing the mark or failure to follow the Father's instructions. We can infer that Elohim had somehow instructed Cain and Abel regarding offerings that were acceptable to him because chata'at means missing the mark. So there had to be a mark or a standard to miss. Otherwise, his use of that word would not be precise. Now we know that our Elohim is more than precise. Mm -hmm. He is righteous in every way. We see his consistency in Abel's offering of a firstling from his flock, a clean animal and a firstborn animal, as Elohim outlined later in his Torah. Teshuvah, or repentance, is not a passive or casual activity. When we recognize the immense cost of our sin, our response should be to urgently seek to make things right. That includes sin 
that we may commit against Elohim, against other people, and against ourselves. It even includes the sin of others in our group or association. Check out our podcast, episode 53, Unaware But Responsible, for more on how Elohim deals with groups of people. Because all sin is, by definition, missing the mark or standard set by Elohim's instructions. All sin is an offense to him. The need for Teshuvah is clear when we acknowledge three points. First of all, there is no human who has not missed the mark of Elohim at some time. Mm -hmm. Listen to the description of Israel given in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. These verses say, Hear, heaven, listen, earth, for Yehovah is speaking. I raised and brought up children, but they rebelled against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's stall. But Israel does not know. My people do not reflect. Oh, sinful nation, a people weighed down by iniquity, descendants of evildoers, immoral children. They have abandoned Yehovah, spurned the Holy One of Israel, turned their backs on Him. We see similar messages in the Brit Chadashah, or the New Testament. Romans 5, verse 12 through 14 says, Here is how it works. It was through one individual that sin entered the world, and through sin, death. And in this way, death passed through to the whole human race, and as much as everyone sinned. Sin was indeed present in the world before Torah was given, but sin is not counted as such when there is no Torah. Nevertheless, death ruled from Adam until Moshe, even over those whose sinning was not exactly like Adam's violation of a direct command. In this, Adam prefigured the one who was to come. I think... 1 Corinthians 15, 21-22 shines additional light on the connection between Adam and Yeshua, the one who was to come. These verses say, For since death came through a man, also the resurrection of death has come through a man. For just as in connection with Adam all died, so in connection with the Messiah all will be made alive. The second point we must acknowledge is that humans are supposed to be in fellowship with the Most High Elohim. Remember how Genesis tells of Elohim walking in the garden, asking Adam, where are you? The Creator's presence in the garden tells me that he came to where Adam was and not the other way around. Elohim came to see Adam. Check out our podcast number 46 called Room for God to trace what Elohim has done to be close to mankind. Also, consider the conclusion of the great experiment that Solomon wrote about in, in Ecclesiastes. He tried every pleasure known to him. At the end of it all, he said in chapter 12, verse 13 through 14, here is the final conclusion. Now that you've heard everything, fear God and keep his mitzvot or his commandments. This is what being human is all about, for God will bring to judgment everything we do, including every secret, whether good or bad. The third point is, we are instructed to repent or return to fellowship with Him. Isaiah 55, 6-7 says, Seek Jehovah while He is available. Call on Him while He is still nearby. 
Let the wicked person abandon his way, and the evil person his thoughts. Let him return to Jehovah, and he will have mercy on him. Let him return to our Elohim, for he will freely forgive. Keep in mind, this was written to Hebrew people in covenant with Jehovah, and they were called to return to Jehovah. Whether you are a natural-born Hebrew or one who was grafted in, this is a serious thing for us. As we approach the worldwide day of prayer and repentance, let every person who loves the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob examine their own hearts and ways, looking for anything that is not pleasing to him. Now is a great time for our question. What would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and assume that since you got saved some years ago, you don't have to repent for anything? Or would you take the red pill and search your heart, your ways, and the practices of your associates for areas that are not pleasing to Elohim? Only you can answer that question. Remember that the Creator's calendar has a meeting on it for you, and the subject of the meeting is repentance. Repentance may include a change of heart, confession, a sacrificial offering, and or restitution. Yeshua in Luke 18, starting at verse 10 taught, two men went up into prayer in the temple, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, Elohim, I thank you that I am not as other men, extorters, unjust, adulterers, or even this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but beat upon his chest, saying, Elohim, be merciful to me, a sinner. Based on Yeshua's description of the two men, which one repented? Hmm. We'll leave you to prayerfully ponder Mrs. Question. That's it for today's podcast. Please listen again to what we shared. Read over the scriptures and discuss them with your family and friends. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Torah, where you can handle the truth.